Hello everyone, I'm James Withall, CEO of Rupert Resources. Um, thanks for taking the time to watch this. Yeah, it, 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 I guess a lot of you have watched our presentations before and our recordings. Uh, Rupert Resources all about the, the ICRI discovery and our Rupert Lapland projects that we have. So Northern Finland uh, and uh, the continued exploration and the excitement around that. So obviously we announced our formerly announced resource back in September and we continue to do more work. So uh, again, thanks for your time. Thanks, Matthew. Okay, James, lovely to see you. Um, we did speak um, recently, but I wanted to catch up. There's been a lot of activity in the market, M&A activity, big, big ticket, uh, tickets being written here. We've just seen uh, Kinross come in for um, Great Bear. We've obviously seen earlier um, Kirkland Lake and Agnico get together. Uh, just wondered about how that's going to affect your decision making for 2022. But I'll start off very specifically, the Agnico deal. What did that tell you? Look, I think it's a, it's an interesting deal for Agnico and Kirkland. I mean, it really consolidates some of the highest higher margin assets in the business, and that's ultimately you know you can see what they're trying to do here. They've you look at that selection of assets. They've consolidated the Abitibi, you know, for the company. They've got big consolidated land package in Canada. They've picked up these you know very high grade high quality asset in, in Victoria, and obviously that whole Victorian goldfields. There's quite a lot going on there now as well that you know it wasn't ten years ago. So I think. Strategically, it, it, it works very well, and you have, you know, they're now in the top three producers, but also, most importantly, probably one of the highest margin of the top three producers, which is probably the key. Um, and yes, their assets aren't all really large, like half a million ounce producing assets, but each of them, if you if you dig down, it's the, it's about the quality, and that's, you know, I've talked about that before, so I think it's a good deal. It's a, it's a good deal. Um, but what is it, I think people's initial reaction is, well, what does that do for projects that Ignico is invested in, such as yours? Have they got enough cash in the balance sheet that they don't need to start offloading stuff? Or you know, can we expect to see them start looking at some of the um, less significant projects and offloading? Well, I think I think my understanding is that you know they they didn't have many. Um, I guess what I saw. Of things that they'd like to offload or not there's not that much in those portfolios that is is non-core effectively for each of those companies um so i think in reality i, I mean my sense of it is that they're still very interested in, in, in you know the, the other things that they're invested in you know they have a strong um you heard a lot of the the notes from some of the calls they've done and the interviews you know they are you know they're very committed to finland um, you know, Kittler is a, is a phenomenal, very long life asset for them. You know, looking at an asset there that's probably got, you know, 20, 30 plus years of life there. So I think, you know, they, it's interesting how they've committed to certain jurisdictions. And if Finland is a, is a key jurisdiction, that's obviously very good for us because we, um, you know, that's why they invested us in us in the first place um, and had that strategic investment because they, you know, they like what we were doing and saw a great opportunity. And, uh, you know, obviously, Agree was a, it is a great asset in that jurisdiction for them. Yeah, and if we look at this, okay, the Kinross um, Great Great Bear situation, I think Kinross was desperate to get back into um, Canada, given that they're kind of spread far and wide elsewhere in the world. So that, I think that was the number one priority for them. Um, and let's not talk about price because that's that's always a tricky tricky conversation. Uh, whatever people may think about the premium paid on that one, but it does say there's an air of M and A, which is inevitable. Given the price of gold for the you know, past uh, couple of years has meant that these big companies have been accumulating cash and M&A is inevitable. They need to you know, re refill the, um, the hopper, as it were, with, with ounces. What does that mean for the way that you look at the market going forward? Because you either need to make yourself attractive 
because Signico is only a fifteen percent shareholder, or you make, need to make it defensible. So, how, how are you approaching it? Look, I, I think it's been very interesting watching these transactions. You've seen the Pretium transaction, the Cisco transaction with Northern Star, um, and obviously, obviously now the Great Bear transaction. So you can see, you know, all, all of those are very Canada-centric uh, transactions. Obviously, all in, the, in their own backyard, effectively, for the companies doing those transactions. So apart from Northern Star, obviously, but that's really there. There pushing more into Canada. But I think, um, I mean, what does it tell you about all of them? I, I think it's, it, it tells you a lot about the market in terms of these, these corporates. They do need to add other assets. You know, reality is it is the companies like ourselves and the great bears that, that tend to go out there and do the risk element and find these new assets. And, and so, but we know that, you know, I guess we've always run the company in, in a way that we're trying to demonstrate that, you know, how good, our assets are and we've never been and we're not um i guess you say about being defensive it's more about saying you know let's just get the information out there and demonstrate how good it is and reality is if we if we had an approach just like these guys have we'd assess it you know what's the best what's the best outcome for the shareholders ultimately it is it's uh what's the best way to optimize the return on the shareholders capital and that's always the way we run the business so i think um um, is there a sort of inevitability that you know these things are going to continue? I, I think there, there always has been in the industry that if you if you if you find something that's very good, eventually people will uh, potentially want to come and have a closer look. But you, but you as a CEO and, and you as a board of Tom, etc., you know, you guys need to you need to make sure you've optimized the value at every single point along the, the, the curve, as it were. And, you know, and most people will reference the Lassonde curve, and, and, and it's not a smooth line of upward trajectory. It's got bumps along the way where people assign different, different values to, to the company. So you know, there are going to be moments where you may want to uh, attract an offer, and there'll be others where you think, actually, not right now, because we're not going to get the full value that I know is here. And then you've got to have a difficult conversation with shareholders to explain that. So how, how do you manage that? I think the way we're trying to run the company is to try and manage that that situation out by keeping all those different tracks running um, effectively. You know, what we don't want people to think and what we've been very keen to get across in all the marketing we've done is that we haven't stopped finding, looking to find the next decree because the, the issue that you have in the industry is, is, is if you just go and find something and put a stamp on it and people could say, oh, well, you've just come out and put a resource on Ikri, that's, that's, you know, that's what you're going to find. But, but I think people really have to realise that that is just a, a milestone. But it's important to have those milestones to lock in value along the way. Um, but you know, we, we're running the company with, with three things going on right now. We have the, the resource drilling at Ickery. You know, that's sort of our, our middle path, if you mean, improving the quality of that. But either side of that track, we have our generative exploration. And we've always spent five to seven million dollars on generative exploration, which is a pretty high budget. And we're continuing to do that. So, so one of the best ways to ensure you, 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 you can get the optimum value is to make sure you go out and drill all the possible targets and make sure there's enough evidence. So if you do have an approach, there's enough information for them to do an evaluation on, um, and then on the other side uh, of that, we're you know we're advancing towards the PEA and, and, and de-risking the asset that way, which also creates value. So you're trying to we're trying to manage the business in such a way that as you keep those three tracks running, you should uh, you should be able to minimise any sort of downturn that you might have, sort of La curve down downswing as you go to that stage. 
that you might get if you didn't keep on exploring or you know we're so bullish about what the expiration upside is on the license package i think we've tripled our license package over the last few years and that we're just beginning to understand this region so look i mean we are we're kind of the m a is is there in the background and it's going on but in terms of our business we're just focused on you know really we've got a lot of drills turning making sure we continue to find as much as we can as efficiently as possible okay so you, you know you're not wasting time um money energy etc trying to solicit bids um you're focused on those three things which which obviously Ikari, you know, advancing that, moving that through study stage stages is uh, phases is is obviously what you need to do there. But tell me, tell me a little bit more about the work on the known discoveries versus the generative exploration components in terms of what are you doing in twenty twenty two? Yeah. So, so look, I mean, yeah. The, simply put, I guess the, by moving the quality of Ikari up and doing the infill and doing that, that that's one element of it, but but we haven't found the limits of Ikari as well yet. So I guess let, let's divide it into just the sort of upgrade of Ikari from an inferred resource to an indicated. You know, that is one project. To, and, and you'll increase the value of those ounces that we've already discovered significantly by doing that work. Um, but also, but then the other side of that, and, and really that is even at Ikari, is all the generative exploration. So one of our best exploration targets is probably the extensions to Ikari. You know, you look at that. And if you look at, you're spending maybe, you know, part of your exploration budget this is where you have the most leverage in this business if you can spend you know five to ten dollars an ounce in terms of your exploration and you turn that into 170 dollars an ounce as, as, as sort of the metrics that we saw with the deal yesterday that is um you know that's a phenomenal return on capital so um you know we think we're we we, we think our team is pretty good at doing that we've done a very good job of it to date uh, and that work is so important that generative exploration both you know, satellite deposits to agree. We talked about one in a press release the other day, Hainer Central, um, Hainer South. But also, you know, this is um, this is just a small fraction of what is, um, you know, a belt that's, you know, 20 kilometres long. So, uh, um, and, you know, holds a lot of opportunities. Right. So I know we're a little bit tight for time today. Um, so, you know, I'd love to actually explore the smoothing of that curve component with you maybe in the new year. And explain, you know, because I'd love to... <clears throat> Because not many companies talk that language, right? It's just they, you know, they accept it, you know, it, it is what it is, and that's where it's always been. This we shall behave the same way. I'm intrigued about how you can try to smooth that, smooth those curves. So maybe that's one for for the new year. But um, tell me from the perspective of your next markets guy in London, uh, you know the folks uh, in in town, and you can you can um, pick up the phone. To them. What are they saying about precious metals for 2022? What's the what's it look like? For them and what are they going to do yeah i i think it's look it's been a 2021's been a pretty interesting year for the gold market there's no doubt about that that you saw you know it, it's been i guess net net i think we're almost flat over the year aren't we so but um you know the events of the year if you look back on it i mean, I mean the all the different drivers of it the, the interest rate drivers or it has really been the key one but and i think you know looking into 2022 i mean the picture almost looks more uncertain in terms of financial markets, I think, and in terms of where people are. And I, I think the argument to hold gold in a portfolio is, is as strong as it's ever been. Um, 
And if you do have that, you know, gold will continue to perform well and maybe out uh, and it's, uh, it, and continue to outperform other currencies. And I don't know how it doesn't outperform. I think it should continue to do that because, I mean, you know, the, obviously we're not going to get through you know, the further ramifications of the COVID situation and the issues we have with the with some of the, the real estate side in, in, in Asia and all those different ramifications that are going on, a continuous disruption to the market without without really a very easy monetary policy continuing. So I think in that environment, it, it's just such a positive environment for, for gold as a, as, a, as a currency, as an asset. So with that, I think, you know, I feel pretty positive about it. I'm not, I, I guess some people would say, oh, it's going to rip to a, a very high price. I'm not too worried about that. But reality is you're in a high inflation environment right now. You know, people probably have concerns in the mining industry that inflation is going to affect them. But if gold does what it should and provides a strong hedge against inflation, you know, it should continue to outperform and that makes gold equity companies um, very attractive in that situation. And, and they're still trading, you know, they would all tell you, or certainly the producers would say they're all trading on pretty low multiples compared to what they were. I think they're down probably 25% on the year. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting market going into 2022. Well, we're excited about it too. So, look, um, like I say, shorter time. Um, have a great Christmas. Thank you very much for the end of year roundup. Uh, excited for that three track. Um, a strategy of yours and uh, starting to see that come through. And we'll see you, I guess, January, February, shall we? Yeah, no, thanks, Matthew. It's going to be a busy, busy early start of the year. Six weeks going. The team are flat out in Finland. So, uh, yeah, I um, look forward to giving you some more news and chatting about um, the uh, the way the company is progressing. I'm thanks to, very much. I may have to swing by, actually. I'm, I'm off to Finland uh, for, for Christmas. Uh, so I'll be able to report maybe live on the ground. Who knows? Yeah, you're welcome see. to go look at some core if you like. There you go. We'll take you out in the field and stand next to Jurig in the cold for a while. <laughs> My yeah. family would love it. <laughs> I love would, it. Yeah. We'll be talking about it for years. <laughs> uh, I suspect for all the wrong reasons. Okay, uh, James, lovely to see you. See you soon. Cheers. Okay, Bye. cheers. Bye.